Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. This is one of those uh, Gospels where afterwards you just kind of go, ah. Like it's just, maybe we translated it wrong, right? Something had to be misunderstood. So first things first, Jesus did not come to establish fiscal responsibility. It's not why he came. So if you run an awesome company or you're really good with finances, those are gifts God gave you, and he's entrusting those natural abilities to you. But what Jesus is doing is he's using an analogy right, to get at something bigger than finance or commerce or business. And so sometimes when we hear these things, especially being 21st century Americans, we think, well, that's just bad business practice. You're going to lose your workers. Right? So we need to realize, okay, he's not trying to debate with us on that level. Also, when we hear things like this, sometimes we can become moralistic. And when we hear it, we can hear our parents, no matter how old we are, just saying to us, See, you should be grateful for what you have. And you think, oh, okay. I guess I'm not grateful enough. And you just kind of shut down interiorly. But any shutting down of our interior lives, of our hearts, is a good sign that it's not Jesus that we're encountering. No one encounters Jesus and shuts down. They get mad and say, heck no. Or they say, You are everything I've been looking for. But the numbing, shutting down, that's not an encounter with Jesus. It's an encounter with what other people may say Jesus is like. But no one in the Gospels encounters Jesus and says, all right, I guess I'll follow. They either say, no way, or they say, I'm on board. But the middle option, not Jesus. So I want to zoom out talk about a bigger thing going on here, and then we'll come back to this parable. Okay? So, here's the thing. Parables are meant to do two things. They're meant to reveal and invite. They reveal two things at once, though. The worldly logic that all of us have within us simply being born in this world, and the way of God's logic. You could call it the theologic. Right? So there's the ego logic and the theologic. Parables reveal both to show how they butt up against each other. And then there's an invitation. Will you let go of the worldly ego logic and live in the vision of God? And so parables are meant to pierce us. They're meant to challenge us. No one's meant to hear a a parable and say, that made me feel good. You're meant to hear it and go, wait a minute. See, exactly. That means you heard it. You really heard it. It touched your life, and now you've got a good dialogue with God to have. So those are what parables are for. And anyone who's ever encountered Jesus in the Gospels, something changes in their lives. When Jesus is born, it happens right away. When heaven invades earth at Christmas, and the beauty and love of God appears in this world as a little baby in Nazareth, wise men come towards him, and it says they go back another way. 
they encounter Jesus and they change the way of their lives. Right? So right away an encounter happens and they're changed. St. Matthew, the tax collector, he's, our, he's participating in what we call shady business deals nowadays. Okay, He's stealing from some people and hiding it and making a little money off the deals. Armani suits, Ferraris, the whole deal. All right, And Jesus comes in. He didn't plan it. He didn't have his religious exercises executed. Totally surprising. Jesus invades his life and looks at him with such a graciousness, says, come and follow me. And he lets go of everything and says, i got to be close to this man. The way he looks, the power when he speaks, there's something happening. I need to be near him. And later on he realizes, this is the incarnate deity, the begotten Son of the Father. This is God in the flesh. Wow. All right, so when you encounter Jesus... Change happens. When you hear a parable, conflict happens. The whole idea is that no one hears Jesus and says, my life stays exactly the way it was. The Pharisees encounter him and they stay in a posture of being in charge. No way. We're not following you. You're dangerous. You're challenging. We don't believe in you. Okay. That's like all of us. Sometimes we say yes. Sometimes we say no. So today, let's get back into the parable now, knowing that this tends to be the way the gospel goes, right? People are presented with Jesus. Some say yes, some say no. Let's get to it. Jesus begins by saying, the, par- the kingdom of heaven is like... Dot, dot, dot. The kingdom of heaven. Right? This is what he was all about. This is what burned in his soul. This is what every cell in his body was tingling with revealing and giving to people the kingdom of heaven. You and I think of some marbly palace normally. That's not what Jesus meant. The kingdom of heaven was intimacy with the Father. It was a relationship, right? Theologically, we say it's participation in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when he says kingdom of heaven, what he's trying to say is the relationship with God is like this. And then he tells the parable. We, in our worldly logic, think more work, more money, less work, less money. Makes sense. In every place we've ever worked, right? That's what an hourly wage means. When you work a certain amount of hours, you get a certain amount of money. Less hours, less money. Jesus comes in and shows that Man, the landowner, the father, wants to give each person lavishly a relationship with him. Whether you spent all day in the vineyard or just an hour, the father wants you. He wants to be with you. And this drives them nuts. It's not fair, they say, that they would get the same amount of access to you, the same goodness and gifts from you, that's not fair. And the Father says, I love you and I love them. My heart is pouring out for everyone. Everyone is invited into relationship with me. Whether you are perfect or you are absolutely a problem. The Father's love in each of us. Sounds a little bit like the prodigal son parable now as well. Okay? What do the first owners want, the first workers? 
They want to have more than the other ones. No, you shouldn't get as much as I got. I've been here longer. See, they want them down and them up. That's the ego logic. I will find my happiness and glory to the extent that I am better than others. The theologic is all the joy, meaning, happiness that you're seeking comes from the Father's love for you. We don't have to produce it. We don't have to prove it. We can't even lose it because it's not up to us to begin with. It comes from the Father. This is why this is maddening for us who are so wrapped in the ego logic. If I can't earn it and I can't control it, do you mean it's just freely given? Uh-huh. That means he just loves us? Uh-huh. Well, certainly, if I go to Mass every single day, I kneel on rice and I fast for two months, he'll love me more. Uh-uh. What do you mean, no? No. We can't earn his love. Well, then, Father, why am I doing all this churchy stuff? Could have been home sipping coffee, barely watching it. We know, the priest talk. Why am I here? What's with all this? Because it is here, it is in times of prayer, where we become receptive to the gift. We don't manufacture His love. We receive His love. And it's the external religious practices that draw us into a place of like the Blessed Mother, Thy will be done. Yes, Lord. Please. I know you love me. I'm here to receive more. So here's some questions for us this week. Ready? Do we really want every single person we know to have the most amazing, life-changing, passionate relationship with the Father? Do we really? Those of you who may have gone through a renewal experience, like Christ renews his parish, what if someone who never goes to Mass is a big meanie, for lack of better church terms, you convince them to go, and after Christ renews, they're all of a sudden having visions in prayer. They're forgiving their enemies. They're experiencing emotional and physical healing. They're praying, and life becomes peaceful for them. Is there not some part of us that says, no, what the heck? I've been trying so hard all my life, and now they just get this grace? Right? What is that in us? Let me put it in the parable terms. I've been working all day. They just worked an hour. They still get it. The Father says, I love them and I love you. There's no competition in love. I'm all in for you. What is it that you desire? Maybe you're the churchy one in your family. Huh? Maybe when you get family gatherings or you're meeting on Zoom call and everyone's like, oh, you're the churchy one. Right? And all of a sudden, one of your family members starts going to church and you realize their marriage is renewed. Or they all of a sudden become the most affectionate, involved dad. They're praying with their family. And all of a sudden, you see peace and gratitude growing. And you go, no, I was the one going to church the whole time. Jesus embodies his parables. Peter, James, and John followed Jesus at the beginning. 
But on Good Friday, he's dying. And on his right and on his left are two criminals. We call him Dismas. He's called the good thief on the left. This guy stole from people. He's about to die, capital punishment for stealing. A known bad guy. Last moments of his life. He says, Lord, remember me. Jesus says, you're in. Oh, come on. <laughs> Jesus is one with the Father, and they are eager and seeking to give the gift of life and love and joy and healing and forgiveness and peace to everybody. And so in just a minute, just like I do at every Mass and every priest does, I'm going to say, pray my brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Maybe you realize some people in your life, you're okay with them coming to church as long as you can, they stay down and you stay up. Might I suggest today you sacrifice that to the Lord on the altar. You say, Lord, change me. Or maybe you're just still locked in place. But today what you can sacrifice is, I'm not going to pretend, Lord, like I'm okay with this. I'm not going to just dismiss the gospel. I'm going to stand with you and say, Lord, this is where I'm at at this point in my life. Or maybe you really want to want this, but you know you're kind of numb this morning. Maybe the sacrifice you give is the desire to grow in this biblical truth. So let's just take a few moments of silence and prepare our hearts before we continue with Mass. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.